Nick Marabella is a 25-year industry veteran, marine, entrepreneur, hairstylist. He owns four salons and runs a multi-million dollar e-commerce platform. Today, we're going to hear all about how he built his career and what he's doing now. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. My name is Robert Hughes, and I am your host. And today, I'm with Nick Mirabella. How are you doing today, Nick? Uh, Robert, I'm doing great, man. What an intro. Awesome. So, yeah, things are going well. Life is good. 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 Uh, well, you know, so just a little background for the audience. I have, you know, we've been spending the last few years building up uh, Hairdresser Strong, and that includes going back in the backstage with uh, other artists and influencers. And I talk a lot about uh, some of the things that I'm interested in, and one of them is a membership-based business model for the industry. And I've been talking to a lot of people about it, and uh, Hunter Donia, aka Hair by Hunty, he's the one who, thank and shout out to him, thank you so much for, the, for sending me your uh, profile. And because you were talking about it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" So um, I reached out to Nick, and he uh, we kind of talked, and I loved everything I was hearing, and I was I'm ex very excited to have you on the show. So thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so why don't we just start off by hearing your story, uh, starting with like, you know, did you do an apprenticeship? Did you go to school? And uh, tell us about your career that led yeah. you to where you are. I've always loved hair salons. Like as a little kid going to get my hair cut, it seemed like a really cool, cool vibe in there. The way the like the perm smelled to like even though they're gross, but the way like the feeling in the salon was like when you walked in, there's hairspray and gel and people looking beautiful. And it was really cool. I had really hard hair to deal with. Um it was like it's curly, it was straight and blonde when I was younger and it got really curly and nappy as I got older. I just never could really get a good haircut. My sister, believe it or not, went to hair school. She's older than me and she was doing very well in the industry. I wanted to go to Votech and start right from high school, but I didn't go to school enough because I really just skipped all the time. So I couldn't even do that. After high school, I went to uh, cosmetology school and I just, it was, I was like a fish in water. It became very natural to me. So before I even graduated hair school, I had a chair in the salon. So I was an assistant and a junior stylist. So I was doing hair live behind the chair before I even graduated. And color is what really came natural to me. And cutting was a little bit more of a slow path for me. But once I figured it out, then I excelled in, in cutting as well. I did hair for a soap opera temporarily as a wool turns. I did hair in salons as a behind-the-chair stylist. 9-11 happened, and that's when I joined the Marine Corps. So I got a chance to see the world, travel the world a little bit, came back out, and I was like, what am I going to do now? I was like, well, I'm really good at hair. I got into, the, uh, got into the hair business out in California when I was living there. And then I realized my core clientele and my, my audience – and my network is back in New Jersey, so I moved back home. And that's when I started building up my career. And I, I started and stopped a lot you know, through the journey of hair. I never made the money that I really wanted to make at first because I wasn't really giving it all my attention. I was either bartending or hustling on the side. I mean, my stories, you know, it's out there in the open on my Instagram page. I did everything from selling weed to make extra money to you name the hustle, I did it. And it wasn't until I got into a little bit of trouble that I actually had to get rid of my friends completely because, you know, Proximity is power. You are who you hang out with. And then I started really going to self-development and trying to better myself and improve who I was as a person to become the man that needed to be successful behind the chair. And that's when my career flourished. I had, you know, all kinds of different businesses that I tried to get off the ground. So I learned a lot about marketing online, marketing on Facebook, marketing on Instagram, Google marketing, Facebook marketing, you name it. I had a 
decent knowledge of it. So when I got back behind the chair full time, I was able to really leverage that education that I had, that I taught myself. And I built from literally doing nothing a week to maybe $400 a week to a consistent $4,000 a week behind the chair business in like less than six months to hitting 20, 25,000 a month in sales behind the chair in a matter of a year. Nice. And that's strictly just hard work. Like I grinded it out and it was six, seven days a week sometimes. And I was never not available for a client. And the one thing that I can, I could stress to anyone watching, especially the youngsters out there, if you're already coming into the industry, setting boundaries for yourself and you're thinking about a work-life balance, you already lost. You need, it's a service industry. You need to be available for your clientele. Don't let them take advantage of you, right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying work your ass off, build your clientele, establish a foundation of clients that you can grow from, and then you start you know, cutting days off here and there. Because those clients are going to miss that you're not there in a the salon for. They're going to go to somebody else or go to a different salon. So I just want to get that rant out of the way. So, all right. So now I'm doing here and I realized I have this, this knack for advertising online. And I got tired of my clients buying their products on Amazon. And so I was like, you know what? I have this knowledge. I tried to make an e-commerce store work before. I was selling like skateboards, snowboards. I was a big in MMA. And boom, the idea hit me. Why don't I sell shampoo online? I was like, I, we, get, we get it. A stylist at a discount. So then I created a Shopify store. After a few years of getting my ass kicked by Google, I figured out really how to harness my Google ads. And that's when I, I started to really start making some income from uh, selling products online. And the Shopify experience, using Shopify as a platform, I use it for my salon. I'm able to now market to my local audience using you know Facebook, Google ads by presenting somebody a product so I can pitch or I can advertise this product and you can do insulin pickup. So now when you come to my salon, I have you engaged with me. Then I convert you to a, a haircut or a color or whatever you might need. So you can really harness Shopify for your salon if you use it properly. And that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm helping salons you know, build their online presence, build their Shopify store and get them into the, you know, the 2023 of doing hair. Too many stylists out there, salon owners, do business like it's 1980. And unfortunately, it's 2023 or and almost 2024, really. And if you keep doing business like that, your salon's going to close. So I uh, go, got a question kind of going back. So you... So you get out, uh, you get out of the military, and you uh, kind of start start in hair. You're doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then you decide you're gonna, you know, get rid of your friends, clean clean stuff up, and focus on focus on building a book and building a career. At what point in time between that and the e-commerce business did uh, did did salon ownership come in, or did, had were you doing all this as an employee? It was out the gate. I had a, a good friend of mine. He owned a, a hair salon. He just wasn't online. He didn't have. I think he had a Facebook page. That was it. No website. No nothing. I was working there trying to get establish my career again. And then me, him, and an ex girlfriend of mine sat down to form a partnership with that salon. I was going to bring the marketing aspect to it she had the education she was a, a fantastic stylist and then he had the salon itself so the three of us you know united and from that point in time i you know 10x the business in a matter of a few months and, and that I, was that I was the in, first salon that was my first salon yeah so okay. i sold that back to him and then i started from scratch again you know we had a, a minor conflict of interest with where i wanted to go with my vision and where he wanted to go with his vision so long story short i just started from scratch and using the knowledge with my second salon 
I grew that to a seven figure salon, million dollar salon within a matter of, you know, 14 months. Nice. So, uh, so that's an interesting thing. I'd like to a little bit of information on. Um, so you said that you had you knew someone who had a salon, yeah. and you you drafted up a partnership agreement, and mm-hmm. you built you in you increased this salon's business significantly, orders of magnitude, and then you had a difference of opinion on and uh, for direction, and then you you said that you he bought you out. Yeah, I, mean, I guess it was originally his father's salon, and then so he his father had given him the salon, and then I came in and had a a, a financial interest in there, so I, I put in some money to help grow. Okay, the and were and, you uh, able to make money off of your investment? To be able to get a return on that, or did you just get your money back? I pretty much got my money back. To be honest, okay, with you. it was okay. We, were, we were close friends at the time, and to me, I already established my clientele. The business itself really wasn't worth that much. He didn't want to do anything online. And at that point in time, the online business was what was crushing it. So, you gotcha. know, I had, there was a bunch of people who walked out of the salon based on a conflict of leadership roles. You know, we both have different ways of leadership. And when that happened, I realized that it's not going to work, with, you know, with, with two chiefs. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I really did dial in online. I, to me, trading your time for money isn't, isn't valuable, right? Right. So when I wake up and I do $1,000 in sales between midnight and 6 a.m., you know, at a 50% margin, let's say, 20% goes to ads, you're walking away 30% of that. So you just made 300 bucks by 6 a.m. And if I could leverage that, pay more attention to that and dial that up, then I have a business. You know, when you're working behind the chair, you're still trading your time for money. If you get hurt, you call that sick, you're not making money that day. So being online, you're always making money. Okay, so all right, this is I like yeah. this story. This is really interesting. So you you're doing this, and so when did the e-commerce business come in? Right out, I, right out the gate, right out the gate as a partnership. So I started slowly okay. building e-commerce and did, taking off about year two or three. Okay, a year five ish, year six. That's when we started about heads a little bit, and then he's like, you know, you got to pay more attention to the salon. I was like, that's not where it's at right now. Like, I don't want to not pay attention, but we have this monster that we can use to harness and grow multiple salons with and really add value to our team so so if you're my stylist you can start creating content on youtube facebook instagram tiktok whatever you become the affiliate of the salon you work for and get a commission on the products you sell through your posts so now you're making money while you sleep and you set all that up uh all that affiliate stuff did that all come through uh features in shopify or did yeah, you have all, all plugins they're all apps yeah and That's as a awesome. kind of stylist too, if you want a suite, if you rent a chair, even if you're like a regular stylist trying to brand yourself, you can create your own brand. So people people value that. Like if you order something from Amazon, people are always skeptical. But when you order from somebody, like a person, and you have a problem with the product, it's not working for you, they can just call me at the salon. And I'm like, hey, Barbara, no problem. I'll tell you what I'll do for you. You're probably using the product wrong. Let me make a video for you on how to use the product properly so you don't have to throw it away or waste it. And then now the brand gets better recognition because she's not going to hate that brand anymore. She's not going to hate my personal brand because I'm actually educating her on the product. And then she becomes my virtual client. So it's a win-win for everybody. When somebody buys the product from Amazon, who are they going to call? Steve Jobs? Like you're you're getting a call center somewhere in in either India or like Philippines and they don't know anything about him. So if you can really truly establish branding like we can in 2023, you can establish a clientele online. Get them to come to the salon. Then, if you really want to step it up, create your own product line. And then, as an independent stylist, you're making money hand over fist. And take a look at who's that guy on YouTube? The hell's his name? 
Brad something, um, blonde hair kid. He, um, yes, anyone watching it, he's got a really big YouTube channel. Now he has his own product line. He did it himself. You know, you Carly Bible. There's it's attention, honestly. That's what it comes down to. So, if, so was that was that uh was that business like um if the e-commerce business was that a completely separate entity uh, from the salon? Yeah. So I, I originally started with both of us. Like the whole salon was getting a piece of everything. I was taking the reins on that, giving a kickback to the salon. And then once it started taking up time, I started spending money on ads to learn it. He was like, I don't want anything to do with it. You know, it's it's taking too much money. I was still paying for it out of my pocket. And they're like, no, there's no way people are going to buy products from you. They're only going to buy from Amazon. You know, and if you always look at your glasses half empty, you're never going to have your glass full. It's always going to keep on emptying. And I was like, no, it has to work. I know it does work. You got Ulta. You have Sephora. There's a ton of companies out there that sell products online. And once I started actually overcoming the obstacles, that I think maybe that's when like we started butt heads a little bit. You know, great dude. Love the guy. But it was like, if you're always looking at everything as an obstacle and an insurmountable obstacle, you're never going to see it as an opportunity. You know, and for me, it was the ability to learn how to sell online because I knew it was possible. And for somebody who has no knowledge of, of marketing at all, and you just know that, that your hands are what makes you money, and it's a dream to actually sell products online on the internet and make money when hundreds of millions of people are doing it, you're already at a loss. You're already losing the game. Okay. So, all right. So, kind of you, all right. I feel like I got this story so far. So, then from there, you. I took, that... online, I took the online store by myself. So now okay. I have. The salon business as a partner with him, my own business behind the chair, and that I was running rampant with the online store. So I brought in one of my closest best friends in the world, best man in my wedding, best man in his wedding. Um, he started helping me out with the operation. Had another good friend of mine who already did this online. I took him on as a consultant, paying him X amount a week. He was helping me navigate negotiations. And so I, because I had to work behind the chair, I had to bring in other people to run that business and operate it. So I would do morning check-ins with them. Like this is not for the weak of heart. Like, listen, I busted my ass on this. So if you think you're going to make money online and just live on a beach and have raking in dollars, it's not going to happen. That was my thought at first. I went to the – not the digress from the story. The original story why I wanted to sell online was I went to a bachelor party in Dominican Republic. I stayed for four months. So I went there for a week. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to stay here. It's beautiful out. My friend wanted to open a bar there. I was like, I'll help you navigate the waters down here and make relationships. So I stayed there for four months, forming relationships with the whole entire community. I was on the beach one day and I was like, I need to get a job where I could work from anywhere in the world. And that's when I was like, I'm going to start a website. And I literally spent, you know, 11 grand on my first website. Didn't do anything for me. <clears throat> Seven on the next one. Still didn't know what they was doing. Then I bought a book in HTML and I learned how to code a website myself. So I, I I started teaching myself in the beginning years before where I was taking a break from hair and my, you know, finding myself journey part of my life, how to do this already. So now backtrack into the website, I knew what I was doing. I knew how to code a website. So when there was an issue, I had the knowledge of going to the back end, editing the code, creating a visibly beautiful website and learning how to sell products and fulfill them. What I needed help with was negotiating contracts and negotiating with my vendors. That's where the one consultant came in. And I needed help with time. So then what I did was I brought back my time by hiring a great friend of mine who I trusted. But he has access to my checkbook. He has every password of mine. And it's, you know, it's very important that if you don't have the time to do it, you get somebody who you can trust and you could you could literally create another 24 hours a day for yourself if you pay them. You know, you can always buy back time. You can't create time though. 
but and that's how I was able to still do hair, not go completely bananas. And, and so, when, all, at what point in time did you? When did you tell us like about how? When did your first salon happen? So, so like we got that, all the way up to here. So where are you? Yeah, at so, so that was probably right or by how? the during the pandemic is when we kind of went our separate ways. Okay, in two thousand nineteen, you know that's when really things were starting to take off online, and uh, I knew I had something here. So it was that next year when things started opening up again is when me and him were like we're done. Okay. And I, uh, I took over a warehouse, which is why the salon's called the Warehouse Salon. And I literally made it into a salon. And that's when I came up with the PMA idea. So during the pandemic, uh, my buddy's gym was a private membership association. And it's private. So when you think of memberships, don't think of like memberships like you would regular gym. This is only private. So it falls, falls under the First Amendment of the Constitution. And under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. So you have the right to private contract, which is your 14th Amendment, and you have the right to peacefully assemble. So during all the madness back in 2020, when everyone was having their riots and they were peacefully assembling, I was just using my constitutional rights to peacefully assemble within my building. So that's what a PMA is. It's just using your constitutional rights to meet up with people. And if you do their hair, great. If you talk about religion, great. If you Make soap there, fantastic. PMAs can be anything. And so that's what I did was I created that PMA for a hair salon and it just worked. So off the break, you didn't even, uh, you just went straight into uh, PMA from, from you, like you got the space and then you I opened called, as a yeah, PMA? I, yeah, I opened as a PMA. I called the state board and they were so difficult to come. It was during the pandemic. They, they were so backed up, right? They couldn't come. Then they wanted like money for this. Then they wanted a picture of that. I just want to do hair. Like I've ran a salon for the last 10 years. I know what I'm doing in the salon. I don't need your permission to tell me I can I have to do hair a certain way. And then when I started learning about the PMA, I don't need their permission. So any state board of any state, any state board of cosmetology or division of consumer affairs has jurisdiction in the public domain. So if your salon caters to the public, you need to have their permission and their license to operate. If you're private, you do not open to the public. I don't need anyone's permission. As long as I'm not causing any substantial harm or evil to my members, I'm free to do what I want to do there. All right. So, okay. So we're going to, I want to get into the details of a PMA and exactly how you run it. But, um, but before we do that, let's, uh, let's continue with your story. So you, you open it up, you're running your business, uh, you're opening your membership association technically. And um, so so you have people coming in to work for you, yeah. and uh, then they become members, and okay. then my it, it's, it's booming. Like I, I, leadership is one of the most important things as an owner. You need to you need to study. Like learning your haircraft is great. You have to understand every aspect of doing hair, but if you don't know how to be a leader, then your team's going to look up to you. And I'm every day. I'm getting better and better as a leader. That's something I practice every day. And I'm a way better leader than I was a year ago, and way better than I was five years ago. And if you're not continually trying to better yourself as a salon owner, like my staff are my clients. And I always preach that in a lot of my videos and my content. As a hairdresser or hairstylist, you have clients. As an owner, your clients is your, st- your staff. So everything has to be customer service. Everything you would do for a client, like quote unquote client behind the chair, you need to do for your staff. They are your clients because they bring in revenue to your business. And so you have to cater to them like that. You have to be their leader. 
So not only are they your clients, but you're also their leader. And you have to guide them properly. You have to teach them about every aspect of, of being the best person they can be, whether it's, you know, how to manage your money, how to do a better haircut, how to deal with consultations or, or redos I have to do. You have, you have so much to do as an owner. And if you yourself aren't prepared to have those conversations with people, you're going to fall short and have walkouts. And so I really started digging into self-development, whether it be Tony Robbins or any other you know, business leader or mentor, I started digesting information across the board to become a better leader because I wanted to be the best version of myself for my team. So uh, from from there, um, I, I mean, first of all, I just want to say uh, it sounds like what type of uh, I want to get to how you got from the one, the first salon to, you know, in the intro, we said four. Yep. But before we say, talk, get there, uh, what type of uh, schedule you know, how do you manage your time uh, managing, doing, running you know, multiple businesses and, and uh, you know, self-improvement and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I, my day starts pretty early, four-ish in the morning. You know, I get up, power, hour of power, self-development, uh, gratitude, meditation, um, affirmations. I read my success statement every day. I always take a look at where I'm going, no matter what it is, because obstacles will happen and they'll, they'll always get you off course. But if you know where you're going, the example I use is a map. It's a massive action plan. Every single day, I look at my destination. And no matter where I get off course, I know where I'm going. So if you're driving in a car, the example I give is, if there's a detour, an accident, something happens, you could navigate around it because you know your end destination. But if you get in your car and you don't put an end destination in, you're going to drive around aimlessly and you're going to get lost. So the most beautiful thing about that is when I have my end destination, and if I do get lost, I always get rerouted back to where I'm going. But I get a chance to see a beautiful sunset, eat at a great restaurant I may have never tried before. So it's okay if you, know, you get detoured. Obstacles will happen. But as long as you have that end destination in place, which I remind myself every single day, I get to where I'm going. And so that's my workouts involved in that. Affirmations are involved in that. And that's pretty much between 5 and 6 a.m. And then I just check my emails and hit the ground running. And, and um, I use a lot of time blocking. So Time blocking, yeah. I schedule in a lot of stuff. And I'm, I have to practice saying no a little more. Mm. <clears throat> I, need, nice. I, need to have, I need that discipline because as hairstylists, we love to please people. Right. Right. And as owners, when you, when you take that into ownership and you're trying to please everybody and you don't practice saying no, then you actually say no to everybody and you say yes to, to nobody. Totally. And most importantly, it's yourself. And which is why, how I have four salons because I have a problem saying no. So my second location, I was in Cosmo buying products and I ran into a, um, a woman there. Her name was Linda, amazing, amazing woman. She was the manager of my first hair salon. And we're talking. She's like, I'm, I'm moving to Florida. I'm selling my salon. If you know I'd be interested. I was like, yeah, I think I might be. I popped in there. I took a look at it. We went back and forth a little bit. She's like, you know what, Nick? I don't want anything for it. I'll just give it to you. Nice. <laughs> she was like, just give me the money for like the chairs and the stuff in there. Okay. So okay. We negotiated. So two of the two of the team members stayed on. It's a five-chair salon. It's just a little salon. And uh it's it was my second location. And then I, I because I don't have a salon license because I'm private, a lot of my distributors don't understand that, mainly salon centric. And they put limits on my ability to purchase product. I'm doing so much volume online, I keep getting cut off and blocked. So having a multiple location made sense because now I could order from two locations. 
So that one is not a private membership association. That one is a private membership association. Okay, yeah. so both of them. Yeah. Okay. My third location, a good friend of mine's mother, she owns a salon. She wants some help marketing online. You know, about six months into it, we decided to partner up. And then that is a licensed salon, you know, which I'm probably going to convert to a PMA anyway. And then we um, we're, we just hired four new people there. We did minor renovations. And we're building that brand up online as well. As well. And then my fourth location, good friend of mine moved to Florida. I've been trying to do something with them for a while. An opportunity to open up at a strip mall. She doesn't like her salon. And so I was like, all right, let's do one in Florida. Now, what that does for me is it gives me access to different distributors down there in a completely different territory. And it gives me access to just a completely different amount of products I can now put online and sell and just help people. To be honest with you, there's a lot of products I can't get access to up here. And if I get access to them down there, I could be that, fill that void for any of my clients online. So that's why I opened Florida. And eventually I would like to get down there and open a few of them. So, uh, so you have three locations in New Jersey and then one in Florida and the e-commerce business. So, uh, question about the e-commerce business do you when you buy your buy your, the the stuff that you sell on e on your e-commerce and your e-commerce business is that are you buying from a distributor and just and yeah. reselling it are you buying wholesale and you have like inventory or do you, or I hold yeah you do hold inventory yeah. so you have where do you hold the inventory want me to show you sure yeah this, this is a visual too right this podcast yeah 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 i'm gonna lose the camera real quick Okay. Um, I'll put it back in. Actually, you know what? I'll show you. I'm going to take off the camera here. I'm going to lose you for a second, probably. No problem. So if you're listening on podcast, uh, what we're doing right now is he's going to show us where and how he keeps his back stock. All right. All right. So here's like one of the main offices. This whole area here, I'm redoing for a YouTube room so that's like where i film out of i'm going to make this a marketing team and like the uh, audio visual editing team in here here's the main office right and then in here is where we keep everything so here is the warehouse side of the real warehouse all our products are right here wow all here's right. the garage door shipping receiving comes out of here all wow. of our packers right behind there here's patricia these are eyebrow specialists hey Hey, and then nice. this, yeah, we keep everything. We have big racks, like stuff up there, stuff over there, back there, some mannequins in there, and then we have another storage unit in here. But pretty much that is where we uh, that's where we do all the shipping, receiving out of. The nice thing about being, you know, having four salons, we have access to products that are housed in those locations. But you know, if someone if someone buys something that we don't really carry stock on, like if I want to test out. Like if I want to test a um, my camera good now. Yep. Right, cool. If I want to test a product out, I could just list a brand online, see how it does before I even buy inventory on it, and if it sells, I'll just run to Centric or Cosmo and pick it up and ship it out. Gotcha. Like and then that's how I did with a couple of brands. Like when I first started, I had zero dollars. Like I was broke. I spent ninety six thousand dollars on Google Ads, not knowing what the hell I was doing. I cleared out my life savings. At that time, I was also planning a wedding and paying for a wedding. Just got married. <laughs> so I went from like, you know, 100 grand liquid sitting in the bank, do nothing plus money coming in to blowing through that, blowing through like another 60 grand in a couple months, trying to figure this out. And I was like, oh shit. 
have nothing now. I was like, what do I do? So I, I would I would literally hustle and I would have the products get bought. I would drive to every Centric, every Cosmo, every single distributor who had products, pick them up that day, package them and ship them that night. Like I guerrilla marketed the shit out of this business at the beginning. And then the profits I kept and kept buying inventory. So if I sell eight of this shampoo over the weekend, I know it's a hot product, boom, I'm buying 16 of them. And then that's how I kept on building my inventory. Nice, gotcha, cool. Yeah. Man, this is uh, this has been this is like a great uh, story for anybody looking to build businesses. There's a lot of you know I go into the schools and I talk to these young people and uh, they're very entrepreneurial minded and they have a lot of goals and dreams. Uh, they just don't know what they don't know and they they this is like so good for them to hear. So if any of you are out there listening, um, I think that. You know, hearing somebody talk about the amount of money and the amount of time that they put into building something that is is that they were able to find success in, and the amount of risk and sacrifice, I think it's a really important story. Um, is there anything as we wrap it up? Because I would like to uh, save the dig deeper into your PMA and uh, understand what that means, because I'm sure some people are like, "Wait a minute, what?" <laughs> uh, so let's save that for the next conversation. But as we wrap this conversation up uh is there anything that you any last pieces of advice or things you want to say to anybody that's interested in building any sort of business in this yep. industry or something like what you're doing a hire a coach right hire someone who's done it before so they can mentor you that's the most important thing but it's never how somebody does it it's who does it it's not the how it's the who it's the person behind the success that matters so through your journey you're going to develop yourself into a better leader a better person it's never how, because the how always changes. Like if you were the best styles in the 80s, it doesn't matter how you did it. It's the person who dealt with the stresses and the struggles. So that same person will be successful in the 90s, 2000s, 2020s. You always take yourself into the next problem, right? So if you leave one problem and you're not equipped to handle that problem and you think, oh, let me change direction, it's the same you, right? So it's not the how or what you're doing. It's the who. Self-development is the most important thing you do. Get up early. Exercise, work out, clear your head, eat right, like create the best version of yourself and then give them to the world. Give them to your team, give them to your children, give them to your wife, give them to whoever, your husband. And if you do that, no matter what business you do, whether you're cutting hair, you're a barber, you're a lash tech, you will be successful. It's impossible not to be the best person or best version of yourself and not be successful. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again so much. And um, I'm looking forward to the next conversation that we're going to have. But until then, take care. Thank you. All right. Bye.